Good morning, good people, and welcome to the Pool Proof Wisdom Podcast Conversations. Now, there are some who believe there are no great second acts, no opportunity to do anything but one thing you've always done because it's safe, pays the bills, and doesn't rock the boat too much. But in this age, when talk about the great resignation, meaningfulness at work and in life, and the pursuit of something more is on the minds of so many people, there's no better time than now to take a journey into what it means to live purposefully on our own terms, discarding the model that says we must do what's necessary instead of what we love, if those two things are not the same thing. Here's the good news. If you can find the courage and have the talent, drive, and commitment, you can do anything you want these days. You can build it, nurture it, and as many have, even show others in the process how to do the same. We can be good people, the architects of our own dreams, and then live in the space and place we've built. But that's scary as hell, right? Of course it is. But I'm here to tell you, as illustrated by today's guest, that fear is only courage that has said its prayers. You'll find out why in just a bit, but first, I want to tell you about today's guest. I met him when we both worked at City Mortgage as senior vice presidents almost 10 years ago. He was over marketing and I communications. We hit it off for a number of reasons, and in the process of getting to know each other, I learned he was an artist. Not just someone who gave themselves that title, but a real one. I saw his work and was so impressed by it, I bought a piece, and I'm proud to say it's still on display in my home today. He's really a brilliant artist. Interestingly, I also noted that while he's an exceptional marketer, his art was his love. I told him that and encouraged him to pursue it. But like most people, it wasn't the practical choice at the time for him. Sometimes, before we can fly, we have to build a launching pad, and that's what he did. I left City Mortgage while he remained, but was thrilled years later when I learned he'd left to pursue his art and an artist's life full-time. Now, as a marketing and branding strategist, Mark Witzling has spent his professional career around writers, designers, and artists who visually shaped his ideas. He graduated from McAllister College and after earning an MBA from Boston University, joined the brand marketing team at Gillette. Now, throughout his career, it also included roles at firms such as Eminem Mars, Perina, and Citibank. And he also became involved in service to others through involvement with various nonprofit boards and is the co-founder and past president of Executive Connections St. Louis. His interest in artistic endeavors began in representational oil painting, but the combination of oil and malleable cold wax together with an more introspective subject steered him toward abstraction. He began to hone his craft by studying in studios of artists across the country, from Santa Fe and Albuquerque to Wisconsin and Montana. His work appeared in the 2017 book Cold Wax Medium Techniques, Concepts, Conversations, and his art was included in Artfolio 2020, a curated collection of the world's most exciting artists. 
In 2018, he was selected as an artist in residence at Chateau Arcoval in France. Marx stepped away from his corporate path in 2018 to pursue his interest in the arts. He continues to paint regularly in the same studio where he began more than 20 years ago. And when not in his studio painting, Mark is executive director of Craft Alliance in St. Louis, Missouri, which is why he's the perfect guest for today's Conversations episode, because I want to talk about the journey he's taken from corporate America to a creative life, the drive to do it, the challenges of creating it, and the benefits of having made that choice. Listen carefully. Because in his journey, you're bound to learn something valuable if you're trying to find a path to your own life's work, when all you have right now is just a job, and not even one that you love. Good afternoon, Mark, and thank you for joining the Poolproof Wisdom Podcast. So glad you could join us today. How are you? I'm great, and uh, glad to be here. You know what? It's a Saturday. I appreciate you taking some time with me. Sure. Happy to. So I see, you know, for our audience can't see it, but I see some of your works in the background. And it's making me salivate a little bit. <laughs> I want, I want some of those. But uh, you know, I wanted to talk with you today because we're at a point in our history, in this country, and you may have heard the term certainly applied, where people are looking at life differently, particularly on the heels of what's been going on with the pandemic, and specifically as it relates to work. And so I wanted to have a conversation today with you because you have something that you do now that you literally love. And you know what they always say, when you do what you love, you're not working a day in your life. But mm -hmm. I do know you historically from the time when you and I were both in that rat race and you had the day in, day out job. And I want to talk with you about that because while people are talking about the great resignation and giving up doing anything altogether, what you did is found something entirely different, which was a way to take your talent and turn it into something that wasn't just how you made your living, but how you fed your soul. So tell me a bit about that, because in that time when we were at you know, City Mortgage together and you had the day-to-day -day job and you were doing like everybody else was, getting up every day and coming in and doing what you did, that was fine. But your heart and your spirit spoke about something involving your talent. And tell me how you balance that. I won't call it a struggle, but that duality of purpose at that time. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, that's all well said. I think that for me, um, you know, art was something that I discovered, you know, a number of years ago and you know, I dabbled with it. It wasn't intended to be, you know, my future or anything along those lines. It was just something I was very interested in. And you're right, you go in, you do the you do the work that you do every day. And for me, I would come home at night and I would paint. Um, I would take painting lessons. I would get I'd just get started. It was just something I was doing really. I, I wouldn't even call it a hobby yet. Mm -hmm. And it evolved. Uh, and as my interest and passion and uh, time and effort, you know, continued to push forward on, on the art side, um, the passion just grew. And it was a place where I felt like I, I belonged. It was me. It was truly who I was. Um, and then recognizing that over time, uh, you know, you start to shift out of um, you know, the traditional work and you try to start to think about ways to make that transition. Uh, 
and then that's that's what I did, and we can talk about that. But that's that's kind of how it evolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was there a struggle somewhat? Because, and I mentioned this too, we all are in a position where we have things that we love to do, and we imagine ourselves doing them. But well, then we're very practical people. We're like, well, you know, I've got bills to pay, I've got a mortgage, I've got kids in college, whatever the circumstances are. Tell me a bit about that. If it was a struggle, and how you were able to find a way to tamp down, perhaps the the desire to just chuck it all to the wind and say, I'm just going to go and pursue my art versus laying out a plan to help you get where you wanted to go. Well, I think I, I carry that, um, I don't know, blessing or curse, whichever it is, but sort of that left brain, right brain side. So I've got the creative side that, yeah, just wants to jump in and just run and do it. Just right. you know, step away and, and run off and do it. Uh, but I also have the other side that is, is much more practical. Mm. Um, and I don't know that I think of it necessarily as a, a pure struggle, but it was always, it's, it's two sides that are always there mm. and trying to find out how to reconcile those things. Um, it led me to uh, know that um, ultimately I wanted to do something on the creative side. I wanted to push and pursue that creative side of what I was doing and how I was spending my time, but finding a way to do that, um, you know, that, that still met the needs that I have, you know, family and mortgage and all those things. So what I ended up doing, and, and so I guess my advice to anybody would be, at least from my perspective, would be to just have a plan, right? Mm. And it may not turn out the way you plan, but at least you're going down a path that, that makes sense as a calling. Um, you know, for me, what I did is I ultimately ended up going, I currently run a nonprofit arts organization. And that is how it's still a day job, if you think of it that way. It's actually more than a day job. Mm-hmm. It's 24-7. That's but right. Uh, but it's in the arts and I'm surrounded by artists all day. Um, and so I'm exposed to those things and I still have time to do my own art. That balances um, has worked really well for me as a way to transition out of the, the traditional corporate side. Mm-hmm. Mark, talk to me a little bit about in that time when you were dealing with it, because I, I do appreciate it. it's not like you're coming in every day and you're like, oh, my God, I'm having a struggle within myself. It's just a yeah. realization that these things both exist within you. But sure. as you're making a determination about things, is that beating of your heart, so to speak, kind of continues to say, I really love this. I really love this. I really want to do more of it. Tell me, though, about the aspects of fear, because what we know is that there are a whole lot of people and a whole lot of positions who have talent, ability and drive, but they talk themselves out of pursuing it simply because there's fear of the unknown. How did you deal with that? Yeah, I, I, I think I deal with it every day. Mm. You know, still, <laughs> uh, it, it is. It, it's there. It exists. And I think fear is something to, uh, I guess, acknowledge, recognize it. Uh, I don't think you have to run from it necessarily. I think that it tells you, it signals that there's something there that's meaningful enough for you to be wrestling with that fear. Uh, and you can, you can draw power from that, if that makes sense. Um it's um, if you're just afraid and you're you're living out of fear and you're staying in that job just because you're afraid of, of pursuing that passion and, and what it might be like, uh, that's that's not necessarily a, a good place to be. It's very stressful, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I have to, I'd have to add the observation, Charles. I think that um, you know. I used to think, and I'd, I'd hear a lot about that. Oh, just dive in, you know, pursue your passion, you know, ignore everything else, go for it. Um, and I and I agree with that philosophy. But I always had that uh, that second thought, which was the people that are saying that are the people that quote unquote jumped and made it, mm-hmm. right? You don't hear from the people that jumped and didn't make mm-hmm. it, right? So 
Um, you, you just have to take it all with a grain of salt. And at the end of the day, uh, follow your own plan, create your plan and, mm-hmm. and let that be the direction that you go. Don't mm-hmm. do it for anybody else. Do it for yourself. Right. Well, yeah, you know, given, kind of well, I think that that's an important point, because when you say that, you know, the people who have made it versus the ones who haven't. Let's talk a little bit then about the concepts of what success is and what failure is, as perceived by someone who is thinking about what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. How do you adjust to coming up with some sensibilities that say, okay, this is what I'm using to say this is the right decision versus, oh my gosh, this was the wrong decision. Why did I ever do this? Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's all sorts of ways to, I guess, address that. I think the the key thing for me is that, you know, when I'm involved in the arts and I'm painting and I'm in my studio, um, when I'm doing those things that I'm passionate about, I feel alive. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's that, that's where the power is, right? That's extremely satisfying. Um, and it's, it's, it's a place where I belong. It's a place where I feel more complete, all of those things. Unlike being in a place where I'm doing something, I um, mean, maybe the more traditional roles that I was in where I enjoyed the work, I enjoyed the people and all of that, but it, I didn't necessarily feel like I was, you know, complete in that sense. Um, and it's just a different level of just deep internal satisfaction. And that's mm-hmm. the metric. Uh, if you walk away from the, the, the financial metrics and those kinds of things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's the internal metrics that matter more. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to learn that. <laughs> the internal satisfaction being the gauge, however, when you're looking at this, yeah, and I remember once you painted a lovely portrait of your wife, and I, I will never forget it. But you have family, and I can relate to this because it was a totally different circumstance. I gave up deciding I was going to pursue medical school. I think I told you this story when we were yeah. working together, and I had to go home and tell my mom. And she was like, what the hell are you going to do now? So with that internal satisfaction as a gauge, however, you still have other people. What's the relationship to how you're able to engage with them so that they feel comfortable that you haven't lost your freaking mind, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think it's... Uh... That that's true. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've got, um, you know, I'm, my, my wife, Jan, is incredibly supportive. I've got two kids. They're very supportive of what I'm doing. Um, and in fact, I think they, uh, they're more supportive than I would even imagine, right? Uh, they see that it's satisfying to me and it makes me a different person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's just been great. So, I, you know, to me, the, the guidance to anybody else would simply be, you know, have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and if, if you're a family then it's a family conversation if you're on your own it's your own conversation right. but um, just be honest about it so uh, you had mentioned earlier that during the time that you were preparing your plan that's what we'll call it you know you were taking mm-hmm. classes you were going home and doing art at night as you were doing this was there some type of measure that you used to say I feel like I am where I want to be in terms of my own personal development and was that used somehow to indicate to you when you were ready? Uh, good, good, good question. I, I, um, I wish it was as discreet and formulaic as, as yet yeah, yeah. having, having a point where I said, when I get to X, I'm there and I'm ready. Right. And I think it's admirable to, admirable to do that. Um, in reality, I don't know that I did that. I think that I was moving along a path. I was studying with artists all around the country and uh, you know, using vacation time to, to go do you know, art residencies and that kind of thing. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I think that it, it just um, naturally evolved to that threshold. You can feel it building and you get to the point where you, you, you finally say, can I do this? 
Um, and I remember sitting down and having conversations with several different you know, friends and just personal mentors and saying, this is what I'm thinking. Am I completely nuts? <laughs> right. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, some said yes. And some said, but go for it anyway. Mm. Uh, and, um, the internal threshold is really, the key. it's just, you just know it, mm. right. It's just, you get to the point where you know it's time. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, do you feel unburdened? Oh, um, yes, absolutely. Um, there's a there's a freeing feeling, um, and yes, that the, the opposite side of that is the fear that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Fear is absolutely part of it, mm-hmm. uh, but um, it, it's 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 overcompensated by that feeling of being right. you know free, complete, whole. The inertia that that feeling of being alive is very, very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody, if you have a passion for anything that captures that feeling, mm. you know, that's that's what's powerful. Right. Right. Well, I know you didn't absolutely hate the job that you had at City. I know this. But I do have this moment because when um, you had indicated um, several years back that you were going to be embarking on this new aspect of your life, I remember feeling so happy for you. But I had this impression of you leaving the uh, building at One Technology Drive. How weird is it that I still know the address, right? Walking, I don't know if you ever saw the movie version of The Wiz, where at the end, when everything was said and done, they had everybody coming back to life, and they sang this song, Can You Feel a Brand New Day? I had this yeah. impression you were walking out of the building doing that kind of happy dance. <laughs> so is there any truth to that, or is that just my you know fertile imagination? Well, I think there's there's there are moments where you have that, right? And right. it's not, um, it wasn't so much for me a feeling of, of um escape it wasn't leaving something i mm. had a distaste for right right uh, but it was moving towards something i just had a much stronger mm-hmm. taste for if that makes sense mm-hmm. right yeah. uh, it, it wasn't so much running away as running towards uh at least for me i love that running towards something and you hit the ground running i mean it I keep up with you. I mean, there's certain people I just am always interested in what's going on and you're always doing this or you're doing that and you are constantly inventing and in creating. Now, granted, you're running a nonprofit, but you don't lose a step when it comes to your own contributions to artistic endeavors. How do you find the time to make sure that your creative mind gets all of the room it needs given everything that you've got going on? Yeah, no, excellent question. I think... Um... That's two things. I have a flip answer to that, which I'll give you, and then I'll give you the real answer. The, <laughs> okay. the flip answer I give when people ask how I have time to, to do the art um, and, and spend time in my studio, I just say, I don't golf. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, and it, I'm in St. Louis. The same, and St. Louis lost the football team here, so That's I no right. longer need to watch football on Sunday afternoons. <laughs> uh, but but no, the, the real answer, though, is um, you make time. You find time for what's important. And my, my rule... Um, is that every day I go into my studio, um, which is where I am now. Uh, I may not paint every day. You know, there's a business side to this too, and there's all sorts of things that need to happen in addition to just actually, you know, putting down paint. But um, every day I will be in my studio, mm-hmm. and that's my rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what keeps going. It's like a writer. You, you know, the writer writers always say authors should write, you know, how many sentences a day every right, day, right. whether it's good or bad. They should write every day. The same kind of philosophy. Just get down and do the work. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about work and creativity, right? Because we're now looking at this in terms of that word. And I always find it an interesting thing because it's really a different path 
when you are sitting and creating something versus even in the case of writing for that matter. I mean, granted, the words are coming from your head and they're going on to the digital or actual page, but I've always been fascinated with people who create any form of art because I'm like, that's something that's an actual form, right? How do you tap into that in a way that you can explain that the rest of us won't necessarily probably get? Because I'm looking at the art behind you now, and I'm thinking, how does he decide how that's going to look? Where does that come from? Yeah, it's it's um, it comes from several places. One is uh, uh, in, in, an internal sense of what you're trying to communicate. Um, I've got a series of paintings, for example, where I, I made a conscious decision about what the theme of those paintings would be, and they were going to be about uh, truth, mm -hmm. right? And this was over the last few years, we've lost truth in our uh, our public conversations, right? Uh, you don't know who to trust or what's what's real and true in the, the media anymore. Um, so I wanted to do something about truth, and I was building up layers to show that the underlying truth is being covered up, and it's our job as a society and as citizens to uncover the truth that lies underneath. And once you have that idea or concept, then for me, it's how do I translate that into something um, visually, right? How do I create that in my painting? So I'm working with that idea. So that's part of it. The other part is starting every painting with um, some challenge, whatever it might be. It might, might be a technical challenge. I may want to do, I build up a lot of layers of paint. That's part of my process. Uh -huh. and. Um, I may decide I'm going to do layers of uh, warm over you know, warm over cool colors and, and alternate, or I may say I'm going to do you know opaques and transparents, or you know any number of things. But I'll give myself a challenge. So I don't start with just absolute blank, just start throwing stuff down. Although sometimes you play and you do that, and it evolves. Your your inner conscious comes out, and so that the challenge is, as an artist is to let those thoughts and those ideas that you have internally. Um, Give yourself the freedom and permission to, to let that loose and put that down on the canvas or the panel that you're painting on. I don't know if that makes sense. But it that's does. How it, works. it does. It does. It totally makes sense. And let me ask you that as a follow up to uh, the question. You know, I'm here in Los Angeles now. We have some you know big museums. As an artist, it's got to be tough because you're kind of putting your soul, in your instance, on the canvas, and I appreciate that. And of course, people are judging it. You've done very well because with all these, you know, things that you've done and the training you've had and the, you know, evidence that you obviously are a great artist that, you know, I've seen and heard about, people are always judging it, right? Now, I will admit, I, I went to, you know, a museum here and there was a big thing that looked like a piece of steel to me that was rusted, <laughs> standing up on a platform and I'm like, I don't get it. Why is this art? Now, you obviously are an artist. You also represent an arts you know, um, organization. What's the answer to that question? Because I know it's different for everybody, Mark. But when mm -hmm. you come across things, sometimes your brain just can't wrap around it. What's the best position to take as a viewer of it as opposed to a judger of it? So, well, it's, a, it's an excellent question, and it's, uh, there, there's volumes and volumes and volumes of things written and discussed about this, this very topic, but I would say it comes down to a couple of things. One is uh, you can have a very visceral reaction to a piece of art that's extremely abstract that you see. You may like it or not. It may just be a piece of steel that's rusted, right? right. And, and you don't have an emotional reaction or response to it. 
Um, and that's fine. If somebody sees one of my paintings uh, and it doesn't create a response in them and move on, that's fine. I don't expect everybody that sees my work to like that. Uh, but um, I am trying to say something with the work that I'm putting out there. And if somebody looks at my work or if somebody looks at the, the piece of rusted steel that you're talking about right. um, and wants to understand and, and ask, what was the artist thinking? What are they trying to communicate? Because ultimately, um, for most artists, not all, but for most, they are trying to communicate an idea or a story. I mean, they're, they're putting their soul out in front of you for a reason. And what is it that they're trying to say? So mm -hmm. I, I try to ask and understand a little bit about the artist's intention. Mm -hmm. So there's there's both of those two elements working, both the artist's intention, if you can decipher that, and then also that very visceral emotional reaction that the artwork uh, right. generates in you or doesn't. That's how you look at the work. It reminds me very much of the way that we exist today, just in terms of how we communicate with everybody. Because, you know, there are a whole lot of people who listen to respond, not to understand. And right. a lot of people who, of course, have their reactions based upon what they think they know as opposed to the individual's intention. So that's very much what you're describing in terms of art. It's terrifically individualized. Mm -hmm. right. right. So when you're doing something like Truth that you mentioned and you complete it, you're standing back and you're looking at it, what is that point for you where you know that it's representational of exactly what your intention was? So, yeah, so how do I know it's done? How do I know it represents the idea that I was trying to right. communicate? Uh, it's uh, in the process of painting, at least in my process, because it's uh, there's a, a phrase called process painting. It, it evolves. I don't know what it's going to look like while I'm creating it. I'm not doing a portrait and I right. say, there, that's the representation. It's done. Um, so for me, it's a, a matter of, you know, has it evolved to the point where the interaction between me, the artist, and the art itself are going back and forth and I'm, I'm working through that painting uh, where I get to the point where I can say, yes, this is communicating what I intended and what I wanted and I'm comfortable stopping. And as an artist, um, you, you reach a point, you know, right? Uh, you, you just, you, you know, when it's done, you know, one way to, to describe it is, you know, that the next thing you do will take you away from that intention. So stop. Right. Right. So that, that's one way to do it. Mm -hmm. You'd mentioned earlier, too, how your work lately has been influenced by what's going on in the world, and I think that's very telling. Yeah. As you look back from beginning to now, how would you describe how your work has shifted in the perspective that you present, if at all? So, oh, right. Um, it's changed a lot. Um, I've always worked in, uh, well, not always, but when I went to, to abstraction, right, uh, when I went away from representational work into abstraction, which was you know, 10 years ago now, a little bit more actually. And um, my work in that time since then has evolved. Um, and you know, originally I was doing some things that I would consider to be very um, almost ethereal, if you will, right? Smooth, lots of, of interplay between the layers um, without a lot of strong, solid, hard shapes in the work. Hmm. And now some of my more recent work uh, has um, a lot more defined shapes in them. And early on, uh, you know, for me, putting a, a hard, solid, discrete shape into the work almost begged it to become representational, right? The, if it was a shape, it had to be something. Right. And it took right. me a long time to learn that that's not the case. Mm. Uh, and I know anybody listening to this can't see it, but you can see what's behind me. Mm. And there's one on one side that is very ethereal, right? right? And kind of loose. 
And on the other side, there's some very hard discrete right, shapes. Right. Right. That, that's what I'm talking about. The work has really changed and evolved. Mm -hmm. and that's part of the process. That's fun. And I'm on, still working with this big medium. It's still me. So that's what's interesting. It's the revealing of the different sides of your personality in many ways and how you are evolving throughout your process as well. It's an interesting thing that you're an artist because, you know, if we go by popular cultural portrayals of artists, they're kind of flighty and <laughs> high strung. And you're the antithesis of that, at least as far as I know. Maybe I have yeah. to ask some other people in a different circumstance. But you obviously feel deeply, and those representations on canvas obviously become very important. You work in a number of different mediums as a result, I think. And mm -hmm. how is it that you decide to move from one medium to the next based upon what you're trying to reflect? Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, I'm working almost exclusively in oil and cold wax. I do some acrylic work and mm -hmm. some pure just oil work, but mostly oil and cold wax is the medium that I prefer. And that's just a preference for uh, the format and the, the style that you can, you can achieve. Mm -hmm. um, I make different decisions about the surfaces that I paint on. I paint on uh, wood panels right. most often. Um, I do some on canvas, um, especially as it gets larger, because larger pieces um, if there would become quite heavy mm -hmm. and hard to move. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll make those decisions and change. Uh, but ultimately it's, that's more, um, uh, more of a technical artistic decision that I'm making, trying to understand, knowing what I'm trying to communicate, uh, thinking about what's the best way for me to achieve the effects that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And I'll make a technical mm -hmm. call about this, the substrate surface that I use. I, I paint on paper as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'll, I'll make those choices when I'm deciding what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Now, you're in St. Louis, Missouri, not known as a hub of artistry necessarily. Yeah, I think that you're helping to change that. I mean, I know that there's the St. Louis Art Museum and all of that, but just like technology is being attracted to the area now, tell me about the work of your organization and yes. how that dovetails into what you do as an artist in making people aware of the contributions and also inviting other people to delve more readily into their own creative spaces. Sure. Uh, the organization where I'm the executive director is an organization called Craft Alliance and uh, craftalliance.org. Uh, we are based in St. Louis. We're an arts education center uh, focused on, on craft and contemporary craft. So we have um, an, art, an exhibition gallery. We have a retail gallery shop where we sell craft from local artists and artists around around the country, we have studios. Um, so we're teaching, um, we're a teaching institution. So we're, we have um, you know, a metal studio, ceramics, glass, uh, wood, fibers, um, a digital studio. So we're teaching all the time and having, having these classes. And we also run uh, a number of outreach programs. So we're working with uh, low-income uh, students. Uh, uh, we're working with uh, schools that may have had their arts programs uh, cut. Uh, so we're, we're reaching out to uh, bring contemporary craft uh, to the community. Um, and it's important. And there's also a national craft uh, community out there, and we're integrated with them as well. Uh, and the whole uh, overall approach is to educate uh, individuals about how they can express themselves through art, mm -hmm. through craft. Um, and that's very powerful. And for me, it ties back to my own art only in the way, only in the sense that uh, it's, um, it's surrounding myself and immersing myself in that art space. Mm -hmm. that, that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So 
how is the it's a nonprofit, so the organization relies on public funding and private funding? Yeah, pri private and public, uh, mostly private funding, foundations, grants, uh, some government funding, but mostly individual donors. So your marketing background certainly comes into play here because it helps you to craft that narrative about what the organization does, yes? Absolutely, yeah. And when you're looking at that, because I'm going to just take a personal moment here, you know, I realize that when it comes to decisions about things that will be funded and won't be funded, we see, you know, arts programs um, and other lives. And when I was in other jobs, I supported like the VH1 Save the Music Foundation when I was working in another company mm -hmm. and a number of other arts organizations because people tend to think that those are things that can be, you know, just pushed aside while they address supposedly more urgent matters. Talk mm -hmm. to me, Mark, about the importance of the arts. Now, I have an opinion, which is yeah. that it's crazy important. But I'm not an artist. You are. Tell me about the importance of the arts and why now in particular, as we look in America and around the world, why it's so important that that support be maintained, if not increased. No, it's an, it's an excellent question. I think there's a number of, of layers to it. Uh, number one being art feeds the soul. Right? It's important uh, in and of itself, just intrinsically, inherently important uh, to the world. Um, secondly, uh, it's a way of expressing ourselves. It's a way that not only individuals, but society expresses uh, uh, their culture. Um, if you go back to ancient times and you look at societies where art started to evolve, those are the more advanced societies. And uh, so it, it matters. It's a way of communicating and telling our stories. I like to say that, you know, in a lot of ways, art is just like uh, it's like music. It's like writing. It's another way of expressing yourself and doing it visually. Um, so it matters as a way of communicating. Uh, if you get down to uh, you know some some of the more statistical things, you can see that there's data that shows that uh, you know those that are engaged in arts education and arts, you know, they'll perform better on the SATs and those kinds of things and you know, higher graduation rates, all of those things. But you know, more importantly, most importantly, it's, it's just the intrinsic value of art to a society really matters. Mm -hmm. um, and it, as, a, um, as a country, as a society, we tend to diminish uh, the importance of the arts uh, when other things happen. Uh, but that underlying base of the arts just has to continue. Mm -hmm. It's critically important. Right. And, and Mark, are there partnerships with schools and other entities to help broaden it? Sure. Uh, let me give you some examples. I mean, um, you know, we're teaching in... Uh, you know, a dozen or more of the St. Louis public schools. Uh, there's an initiative underway. Um, a, a group of local arts organizations in St. Louis came together to um, help save one of the large city high schools that was slated to be closed mm -hmm. and have taken over running arts education in the afternoons. Um, and it's, uh, it's a high school called Sumner High School that was mm. that's known as the, the first high school west of the Mississippi to graduate black students. And it was slated to be closed. Uh, and uh, Dick Gregory graduated from there, Tina Turner graduated from there, a lot of folks, and uh, we're teaching in those, those schools. Uh, so uh, yeah, we work collaboratively with a number of schools uh, to bring arts education. And, and here's the other thing that's about this. You know, I think that I grew up in St. Louis, as you know. I went yeah. to Vashon High School, so 
We had a oh, rival- well. yeah, we had a rivalry with Sumner. But you know, from the time that I was in elementary school through on, I remember, you know, the importance of the arts then. I mean, I can't tell you how many leather bottles I made with masking tape and shoe polish or eyes of God with yarn and dowel rods. Mm. It was just a number of different things. And it actually, even though I didn't go into the arts, I think it heightened my appreciation of the arts in general. It certainly uh, fed into my creative mind, to use that phrase. But it's relevant, obviously, for people who are in low-income areas. The schools are challenging that type of thing. But even in a larger sense, you know, young people and adults as well who are not necessarily in those circumstances. Tell me somewhat about the importance of the arts and their awareness and understanding of it as well, because I don't want people to assume that art is more accessible always to people based upon socioeconomic status. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, and there are, there are folks at all, all across the, the social spectrum that, that either do or do not have access to the arts and it's valuable to anybody. You know, the, the, the value to me is um, in arts education is, you know, it's it's about learning how to be creative, mm. right? It's learning that uh, you can, there, I, I'm a firm believer that to almost everything, there's more than one solution. Mm. And there's more than one way to get something done. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's amazing. I can get together uh, in a workshop with, you know, a dozen artists that I'm either teaching or participating with. We're all using the same materials, right? Mm. Same paint, same surface, same everything. Yet, if I have 12 people in the room, I will get 12 wildly different solutions. Right? <laughs> that's where art comes in. That's what's coming out of your mind. It's not the paint that's doing that. It's not the surface that's doing that. It's what's coming from your soul and your mind. Mm. And that's the power of creativity. Mm. And that applies to absolutely, absolutely everybody. Um, and not just students when we think of kids. It's great for seniors as well. Mm. Uh, great for the, the mental health and, and creativity. So mental health, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about as you were speaking, not only the mental health, health, physical health as well. I've seen some wonderful sure. you know, programs in that regard. How do you find the way to broaden that reach so that there isn't any stigma associated with it? Uh, meaning that sometimes people think that when programs are brought in that it's an organization or an activity that is designed to kind of take advantage of the people so that they seem like they're giving them something that they don't need. You know, it's like when people are treated for mental health issues, you know, the question may arise, well, do I really even need that? I seem to be fine. When you're bringing art in to help with any number of issues, whether they be physical or emotional, how would you answer that question as to whether or not art is really making that big of a difference in some tangible way? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And I need to be clear that the organization I run doesn't right. do uh, mental health education right. Right. programs. Right. For that purpose, it's a, that's a very specific sort of thing. Right. But uh, what I do see uh, is that, uh, again, it, it's the connection of visual skills, motor skills, all of those things mm-hmm. uh, that ultimately come together to create this um, capturing your, your, your mental spirit, if you will. And bringing that out, I've seen arts used in organizations that work with um, children that are in homes going through divorce uh, and using art therapy, if you will, um, to approach that and to provide the outlet for expression around those needs. So there's a whole range of things, especially in that world of art therapy, 
and there's documented, you know, there's scientific evidence right. of benefit of the arts for that. Mm-hmm. It, it's absolutely valuable. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned your two kids. Yep. I think I know that they're both artistic, but I don't want to just use that general phrase. I know one's a dancer, correct? Mm-hmm. I don't know if so, the other one does or not. So t- <laughs> tell me about art in the Witzling family. Oh, wow. Um, the, um, uh, my, my oldest, my son is a, a technology guy. So he's, he's not so much the visual artist <laughs> as much as the coding artist. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And, and we've had those conversations and certainly the coding and how you do things technically can be artistic. That's right. Creative. It's a different outlet. Uh, my youngest is um, a therapist and, uh, and uh, has a master's in dance and movement therapy and is uh, incredibly creative, mm. uh, may not paint, mm. but um, has a, a, a great creative streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of who we are. So the genes are carrying on, so to speak. <laughs> in some way, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be manifesting the way people expect, because you're right. Technology, when I see what people can do with coding, I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's just art. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. Mark, you know, you're looking at a point now. How long? It was 2018, so it's been several years since you left. Right. Yep. Knowing that you didn't have any particular expectations, you know that you had interest and desires, but you didn't know what was going to happen necessarily. But here mm-hmm. we are in, you know, later 2021, after you left your corporate day job in 2018. Are you surprised at where you find yourself right now in a way that says, wow, this is more than I even imagined? Or are you still at this point where you're saying, this is great and there's still so much better to look forward to? Where do you find yourself? Oh, it's a journey. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute journey. Am I happy with where, where it is? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I imagine it would look quite like this? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm very happy with where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a long way to go? Sure, there's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I know what that road looks like and how we're going to get there? Nope, don't have any clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I have goals and those kinds of things. But um, uh, I'm, I'm very, very satisfied with kind of the state of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true for both my own art and the things that I'm doing and the galleries and the sales, all those kinds of things. But also just the evolution of the artwork itself, the actual creative output. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased with where my work is going uh, and uh, the organization that I run. Um, I've got a great team, great people. We've done some amazing things. We completely relocated our organization during COVID to a new space. And that's a whole other story in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's very, very satisfying. So, the yeah, new no, space I'm, is I'm huge, really... by the way, I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, tell you, I see in... everything. I see everything that you do. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing. So in broadening that space, you've been able to reach more people by default, right? Right. Yeah, we, we, we have the space. We can teach more. Uh, we've got a, a nicer gallery, great shop. Uh, and we, we moved into the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we can do all the things that we want to do in a better way. It's also a much more accessible building. It's all on one floor. No more climbing stairs uh, for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in our prior building for you know, more than more than 50 years. So. Mm-hmm move from that into a new space it's been just an incredible experience and it's uh you know i was telling somebody yeah i have my mba but they don't teach in business school how to how to gut and relocate an entire organization (laughs) during covid (laughs) i uh was mentioning in my intro of you that there were two references i made number one um 
comes down to this idea that fear is nothing but courage that has said its prayers. You are a living embodiment of that because you have stuck and stayed, even though it's challenging. But I kind of think you like a challenge, so that goes directly into it. If it were easy, I don't think you'd be nearly as happy as you are right now, right? Oh, absolutely. There's... uh... You know, I love the creative side of things, right? And that, right. that's where the problem solving in a business world, that's problem solving. I'm, I wouldn't be good at just managing an existing right. operation for the sake of just you know, continuing on and maintaining course. That's not right. me. Right, right. And then the other part of that was that sometimes you just have to jump and build your wings on the way down, right? And yep. I also see that reflected in what you've shared with me today because it's not as if this happened and it's been you know, this static sense of this is how it is. It's constantly adjusting to everything. I mean, hell, there's no way in 2018 you could have forecast a pandemic and maintaining an arts organization plus your own artistic endeavors throughout it. But yet here you are. So it's a bit of resiliency that goes into constantly reevaluating where you are, what you hope for, and what you can look forward to, right? Yeah, I think it's just uh, being aware of where you are, being aware of the situation and, and just uh, having good, strong yeah, self-awareness. And I, I, I guess the other philosophy that's my own guiding principle, Charles, is mm-hmm. this one that's, uh, you know, um, strength and humility. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, for me, it's, if I live by that, I'll be okay. So, you know, one of the things we were talking about, and I certainly want the audience to take away from this conversation, and I think that we're kind of coming full circle with it now, is as you look at Mark Witzling, 2021, almost 2022, and then you hearken back to Mark Witzling, 2018, and you look at the journey so far, what most about your own journey do you believe others can learn from as they are now at this point in their time, looking at what may be ahead for them, whether they're going to pursue that dream, whatever it may be, and having the fortitude to realize that it can work out, it may not work out like you want, but it can work out nonetheless. What would you take from your journey that you would share with them? Sure, sure. Oh, wow. Uh, big question, but I, I think I'd, I'd say first and Foremost, the thing that's coming to mind as, as you ask it is just uh, you know, kind of be true to yourself, mm. right? Uh, do what your passion is about. Uh, figure out where you need to be to feel um, inspired or complete. Don't just um, uh, don't don't run from that fear, right? Don't stay where you are just because you're afraid. Mm. You might choose to stay. That's fine, but make it as a conscious decision. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, you're doing it for who you are, not for anybody else, right? I think the, the folks that I see that are having the most difficult career transitions or non-transitions are the folks that are doing things because they're there to, they're trying to please others or they have this perception that they can't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the reason to, to stay put. Mm-hmm. Uh, decide what you're, uh, decide what you're about and what you want to be and who you are and then chase that. Mm-hmm. I love that you say that. You know, I often think of you and what you've done. I find it inspiring because let me tell you, brother, there are days where I'm just like, I'm about to chuck all this to the wind. (laughs) I'm not quite (laughs) there yet, but I'm still doing it in a certain extent. This is my creative contribution, right? right? Yeah, and it's wonderful, and and it's inspiring. Um, And it's, um, you know, uh, 
And for all these things that we say, yeah, just, uh, you know, I can sit here and say those things, mm. but everybody's got to decide for themselves what's right. Yeah. Um, and it's not for me to judge right. you know, anybody else. Right. But when I think about you, I think about Maya Angelou. I mean, I, I don't like the word success too much because people have an improper association with it. But I like her definition, and it does apply to you, and you'll probably blush about this. But she says, success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. And as I've been talking with you throughout the course of this session, all of those things are in application. And I think ultimately, for anyone who's looking to do something different, that's what has to be the measure, that level of success. Yeah, I think that's great. That's that's dead on. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And now for people, I want to, you know, because, you know, we, we don't have a problem with doing a little bit of shilling here. For people who are interested in your exceptional art and interested as well in supporting the organization, please provide some details about how they can do that if they're interested. Sure. Uh, so for, for my art, uh, uh, just go visit my website, which is Mark Witzling, uh, Mark Witzling uh, com. Uh, and uh, it's Mark, M-A-R-K-W-I-T-Z-L-I-N-G, art.com. Um, and Facebook, it's also uh, Mark Witzling Art. Uh, and then my organization is craftalliance.org. And uh, take a look. And uh, if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me through any of those uh, any of those places. That's That'd awesome. be great. That's awesome. And I hope that people are going to do it. I'm, it's about time I get something else. I'm moving in a couple of weeks. I may need something, so I have to go out there and look again. I do have your piece that I bought from you yep. is at the entrance. I, I literally am bougie enough that I will tell people, no, that, that's a Witzling. There you go. <laughs> when awesome. it's coming to the house. I remember, it. I remember it well. Yeah, it's an awesome <laughs> piece of art. And I think that the thing about it is that, unlike that big piece of steel that I saw, when I look at anything that you create, it automatically has, I love the phrase, visceral connection, because I'm always like, oh my God, that's beautiful. And I'm a hard nut yeah. to crack, so that says a lot about what you're capable of. So yeah. I hope that others will reach out and buy the art, and I hope that others as well will reach out and support the organization because the work is so essential, particularly right now. Yeah. So, Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Mark, for spending your time with us. 